Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jamil Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. All homebrewers have a favorite commercial beer, but not everyone can make it. Welcome to the show that teaches you how, where you can challenge two masters, Jamil Zainashev and Tasty McDole. This is the Jamil Show. Can you brew it? Now here's Jamil. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Here in the lovely Pacheco Studios with my distinguished co-host, Mike Tasty McDowell. Mike. i got brewing children, yeah, so brothers and sisters are sort of like, yeah. Some of them might brew, but... Brewing chillins? Kids, yeah. Brewing kids? Yeah, a lot of people My brewing babies? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so what's our challenge today, Justin? I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> Old granddaddy tasty there. Yes. He's trying to hurry along grandpappy. Yeah. How come I don't have a beer? Oh, because nobody's question. giving me any yet. Grand, grandpappy tasty says. You need your children to give you a beer. <laughs> Bring you a beer to your walker. Uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, one thing. If you haven't yet, you need to sign up for the uh, AHA. You need to become a member. You become a member because CHA is out there protecting uh, your rights and uh, helping uh, enact legislation that uh, uh, supports craft brewing and home brewing and uh, you know makes uh, makes this great hobby of ours go. They actually uh, do a lot to support it. May not seem that evident up front. I mean, you may say, "Oh, I get Zymergy magazine, which is quite nice." Our good friend Gordon Strong has become like the technical editor of uh, Zymergy magazine, so. I'm sure uh, things are, you know, going to get even better under uh, his tutelage. But, uh, you know, the one thing that uh, you get to do once you sign up is to vote for your representative. So there's a governing committee. I'm on the governing committee. Uh, You know, various uh, uh, great people are on the governing committee. And, uh, you know, somebody from our fine sponsor, Northern Brewer, uh, Jake Keeler, he's running for the governing committee as well. He's going to help try and improve... Homebrewing, the American Homebrewers Association. He's going to try and come out and represent you as well. So I want you to sign up for the HA, and then you can vote. Uh, if you're listening to the download of this podcast, probably the time is just about right. And you can also vote for Justin if you know you want to throw away a vote on on Justin as well. Now you've turned on me too. Already. Oh, I'm sorry. No, uh, vote for Justin. Vote <laughs> yeah. for Justin. Vote for Jake. Vote yeah, for Justin. So yeah. Thank you. Uh, vote for Drew. And, uh, you know, we've got uh, Fred Bonjour out there. He's a good guy. I think oh, yeah. we should vote for him as well. Uh, there's other... Uh, uh, um... Oh, he's going to kill me now. Uh, <laughs> guy from the East Coast. Uh-oh. He's run uh, several times. Um, wonderful guy. Uh, I'm sorry. I, Michael, I like, was I like Michael Fairbrother. Michael Fairbrother. There's only mics in here. So. Another, another, yeah, I got so many mics. It's been a long I time. I have almost, almost as many mics as I have John's. Um, 
Michael Michael Fairbrother, another great guy, and uh, you know all those yeah. guys very very deserving of your votes. Um, and then the other people are as well, but uh, these are people uh, you know I, I can personally endorse. Uh, and they uh, bought you pretty much, right? Yeah, they, you know I think Justin gave me uh, five dollars and. Uh, mm-hmm. Five fifty. Jake, Jake, Jake uh, sponsors the show, and uh, so is that campaign uh, contributions in the beer world. Five dollars. Drew has uh, yeah. nasty, no nasty photos of me. And uh, sounds like they're all Johns. Fred and yeah. and Michael are just really hardworking, smart, intelligent, uh, great people. So that's that's why the it goes the way it goes. So Tasty is like wondering why he doesn't have beer. Is that the signal? Well, no, why, I know why, why I don't the have, hell don't I know I why I don't have beer. I didn't get myself. Chad so. just entered the room with one. You can mug some. him on his way. Yeah, he's in. got a big glass of beer. So, uh, he's got his. So, anyways, uh, you know, do do that, and especially our, our our sponsor, Northern Brewer. At the very least, email them and tell them thank you for sponsoring the show. It doesn't take you, cost you anything to send an email. Please uh, let them know that you appreciate they they support our show. And if you if you got some bucks to spend, check them out. Uh, you know. When we're brewing uh, beers for Kenya Brew It, a lot of the ingredients we can only find on, on northernbrewer.com. Uh, good people, good prices, good shipping, uh, great customer service. That's you know, that's where they really uh, they they set the set the bar high. So uh, get on there and uh, check them out. And if you get a chance, uh, yeah, you still got some more money to spend. <laughs> the Brewing Network Store. Get yourself a Brew Strong hat. Get yourself a Brew Strong shirt. I wear them. I love them. Uh, and they got some other stuff in there too, but uh, you stuff. Know. We get there's BNA BNA four shirts. <laughs> Those are hard to get. Vintage. Yeah, if, you, if you need if you need some rags, polish the car. Yeah. You get the BNA four shirts in there. <laughs> They're about the same price at this point. So yeah. right, yeah. Get some rags. You can get yourself man. a sham wow, or you can get yourself a BNA four <laughs> shirt. And if you buy now, <laughs> buy now, we'll throw in another BNA yeah, four yeah. shirt. Should have been handling. All right, uh, the BNA wow shirt. Yes. <laughs> All right, Chad coming through. If you're listening live, you can check out uh, justin.tv slash brewing network and see us drink beer <laughs> over the internet. Hey, how about that? <laughs> <laughs> Try that on the radio. Excellent. Nice. <laughs> you can play along at home, too. That's right. allowed. Exactly. Yeah. All right. And we got in, this, in the studio with us uh, a couple of our... Uh, our master brewers, our, our, team, team. our cloners, the guys that uh, we lean heavily upon to uh, to do this because we're freaking lazy. I'm really lazy. Tasty's not as lazy as me. Mm. And then we got you know Mraz and Hello. and Nathan that uh, hey they're pretty much uh, knock them out of the park for us on a regular basis. Thank you very much, Nathan Smith and Mike Mraz, for uh, joining Anytime. us. Sure thing. And, uh, uh, saving our bacon because if it was just tasty me brewing all these beers, we've been screwed six months ago. <laughs> I mean, tasty would be brewing like every every day. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, Word up. Yeah. and I'd be like, well, you know, I'm busy. I, I got other stuff I got to do. All right, so what's our challenge today? I like this challenge. Here you go. Hey, what's up, Justin, Jamil, and Tasty? <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, this is John White calling in, uh, also known as Tupola Homebrew. I've got a request for the Candy Brew It show. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of Captain Lawrence Brewery and a wonderful beer they do called Extra Gold. Uh, Extra Gold is uh, basically a Belgian triple that's uh, got a really nice addition of some American hops for a really great sort of tropical fruit flavor and ester profile and 
definitely kicking in on the alcohol. So uh, it's a fantastic beer, and I think it'd be a great example for a clone because not many people can actually find this beer outside of New York. So uh, can you brew it, fellas? Good luck. Ah, now see, that's the way to, <laughs> to call in a request. Not not to diss on everybody else. I really appreciate it. Hey, you know, anything you do to help out the show and, and, and call in those requests is great. But that's a good one. You see, he didn't read his his request. He snuck in a few interesting points, a little bit of humor there. Yeah. <laughs> he described the beer well. That's a good one. I like that. that good job there. Good job. All right. And... uh so, obviously, the first thing I did was uh, go out and uh, hit Scott Vaccaro of uh, Captain Lawrence up for uh, information on how to brew this beer. And that was uh, the first thing I do is go, like, okay, so tell me how. <laughs> you know. And uh, also lined up uh, lined up some uh, some of my uh, peeps to uh, to ship us the beer. And, and actually, the shipping on this was picked up by uh, uh, somebody in my notes here. Uh um, 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 yeah, uh, Ray, Ray and, uh, uh, Sean White actually, uh, hooked me up with Ray Gerard, who, uh, had his homebrew club, uh, the New York City Homebrewers Guild. They paid for shipping these, uh, Captain Lawrence beers out. And actually the brewery provided the beers direct to, uh, to Ray. He went and picked them up. They provided very uh, cool, very cool. The beers. uh, uh, When I was talking to uh, Scott, he was saying that uh, they were brewing uh, the beers I was interviewing about. They were brewing it that day uh, when I interviewed them, and uh, so uh, we got uh, nice fresh examples. They uh, turned them over to Ray. Ray spent uh, the club's money to send them out to us. So I love it. I'm not sure if uh, Ray's going to get uh, ousted from the club <laughs> for spending <laughs> club money to, to ship beers. Just rolled over it, but, Thank uh, you, Ray. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Ray. Uh, if you need a new club, uh, feel free to join yeah, ours. Looking here. for more people. Wait, there we go. All right. So why don't we why don't we uh, take a short break? And when we come back, we're going to hear from Scott Vaccaro of Captain Lawrence Brewing. He's going to help us figure out how to brew this uh, fine, fine extra gold. Back after this. Hi. I have a sixer of Lagunitas in the icebox. My roommate's gone for the weekend, and I'm wearing something flimsy. Listen, baby, I told you not to call me after 8. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I gotta go. Who is that? Your girlfriend? You loser. Set up, thug. Did you guys get the cauldron set up on the altar of my yard? Sir, if you weren't so busy getting booty calls, you'd know that. The hurricane furnace is using propane while you guys talk. All right, I'm using the scroll of Mosher to boil the first decoction. Nope, it's scorched. What do you do? Frack, scoop it out and try again. Doug, use your mass rake. You took too long. The color is now dark and past the point where you can still call it a pilsner. Yes, sir. I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. What's this, Poindexter Urkel? Dude, can't you see we're in the middle of a brew session? Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. (gasps) Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you belch White Labs 833 and crap Simcoe? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs. Ingredients, equipment, and knowledge 24 hours a day at northernbrewer.com. Plus, fast, cheap shipping. Only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the Cylon Detecting Three-Hearted Ale and the collector's item Super Alt. Mine's in mint condition because it's still in the box. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com. BN Army members, 
Are you looking for a discount on hops? Keep listening. Nico's Homebrew Supply at nicobrew.com has hops by the ounce and by the pound. Choose from varieties like Amarillo, Centennial, East Kent Goldings, Holler Tower, Simcoe, Summit, Tomahawk, Warrior, Willamette, and more. And adding new varieties all the time, many for less than 20 bucks a pound. Whether a couple ounces at a time or an 11-pound bag, all hops are shipped vacuum-sealed and frozen straight to you. Nico's Homebrew Supply offers store-wide $5 flat-rate shipping and won't waste your money on unnecessary overhead or advertising. They're going bare bones and passing the savings on to you. The staff at Nico's Homebrew Supply loves to brew and is committed to keeping homebrewing affordable and accessible to anyone who wants to join in this great hobby. And for a limited time, use coupon code BNARMY at checkout for a Brewing Network discount. Visit NicoBrew.com. That's N-I-K-O Brew.com for your hops and more. NicoBrew.com, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the, the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now, it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. You're listening to the Brewing Network. I'm speaking with Scott Vaccaro, owner-brewer of Captain Lawrence Brewing in Pleasantville, New York. Hey, Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking time to talk. Hey, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, you know, one question I had was uh, how you got started as a professional brewer. Now, I know you, you started out uh, as a teen home-brewing, and your parents were supportive. And then uh, you, you've got quite a bit of industry experience before you opened Captain Lawrence. Yeah, yeah I, was, uh, I was pretty fortunate, you know, at, at an early age to kind of realize what it is I wanted to do with my life. So I kind of took the opportunity, um, you know, when I was younger to, you know, to travel to as many breweries as I could and to try to get some experience in them. Um, you know, while, uh, while, out of, you know, while out of California studying, um, I worked uh, very briefly at um, a place called Zero Gravity Brewing Company, which was a brew on premise. Uh, you know, kind of helping people uh, make their own beer. You know, home brew at the store. Uh, and while I was working there, I was also working at the uh, Fermentation Frenzy in Los Altos, California, and um, getting some uh, some home brew experience there. Kind of blowing my paycheck every week at the store and getting more ingredients. Um, and uh, while in school, also I had the the you know, I was lucky enough to be able to do an internship over in England at a brewery called Adnams in uh, Southwold, England, and uh, they were uh, they brew about sixty eight hundred or sixty eight thousand sorry barrels a year of uh, all real ale, um, cast conditioned, almost one hundred percent, and um, had a great time learning. You know, learning the ropes and uh, you know learning how to do the traditional you know the traditional process from all the way from you know mill the grain to to delivering the via casks out of the accounts and then getting to the great british beer festival so that was a pretty cool experience 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then out of school, I mean, even more lucky. Um, you know, we're, <laughs> we were on a field trip um, with my brewing class uh, at a brewery, because that's what you do as a brewing student. And uh, we were up in Sierra Nevada and, uh, you know, into the tour. I mean, it's the most beautiful brewery I've ever seen in my life. It's It should be a, a national monument. Um, at the end of the tour, we're in the pub uh, with the head brewer, Steve Dressler. And, uh, you know, just very nonchalantly, I'm like, how does somebody get a job at a place like this? You know, it's beautiful. And he goes, well, send me your resume. He goes, we'll be hiring soon. You know, we just added eight more 800-barrel fermenters. I said, okay, why not? You know, so I sent him a resume, interviewed with him, interviewed with Ken, and uh, they hired me uh, before I even graduated from Davis. So I had a job lined up, ready to go. Yeah, that, that sounds yeah. fantastic. And, and a lot of people say, well, you were lucky, but I think, uh, yeah, you make your own luck. So obviously they saw something in you that uh, they felt was uh, uh, worthwhile uh, uh, hiring. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm very grateful that they did. You know, it was... Um, experience that I'll never forget as long as I live and it was uh, you know it's just nice to go to a brewery like that to work at a place like that where everything is done properly um, mm-hmm. you know they have there's, they're not scraping by you know they're doing well and you know they're able to reinvest in the actual brewery mm-hmm. and just seeing you know just you know the stainless steel miles of pipe and gleaming copper kettles and you know just attention to detail is second to none so i was very fortunate i was there for about two and a half years and um at that point i'd been out in california for about six years six and a half years and so i was ready to uh to move back east to uh you know move back to my family and friends really and so headed uh headed out to europe for uh for a couple months kind of toured around saw some breweries as many as i could and came back and took a job at a brew pub in uh, danbury connecticut called the uh, Colorado Brewery and Steakhouse, which is an odd name for a Connecticut business. And um, unfortunately, they went out of business about six months after I started working there. So I hope, I, I'm confident that it wasn't my beer, but, you know, you never know. Um, and so after they went out of business, you know, I had already started kind of working on a business plan. And, um, you know, obviously, I'm sure as most brewers want to do, they want to have creative control and, you know, control their own destiny. And, Wrote up a business plan, um, got together some investors, families, and family and friends, and went to the bank to get the rest of the money and bought as much used equipment as I could and opened up Captain Lawrence. So it was about a year and a half between the time I lost my job at that brew pub and the time we opened back up. Mm-hmm. So it was, that's, you know, that's a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, it's been a you know it's a pretty quick whirlwind. You know, it was uh, it's it's been it's been quite a trip. Mm-hmm. Oh, it sounds like uh, you probably would have been successful in anything you did, uh, but uh, brewing's clearly your passion. Yeah, it's always uh, it's always easier to go to work, you know, in the morning when you when you love what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, I'm very I feel very fortunate. Right? Yeah, if you love what you do, uh, you don't work a day in your life. Is that the is that the saying? That's what they say. Yeah. It's still still a lot of work to brew, though. <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely a lot of work, but it's you know at the end of the day, I always tell people at the end of the day I get to have a beer. So yep, there you go. <laughs> I'm not going to complain. <laughs> well, and uh, your your customers aren't complaining either. As as a matter of fact, I think they're they're quite uh, passionate about your beers. Uh, probably not quite as much as you are, but uh, uh, since they're obviously your babies, but uh, uh, you're you're. Your fans are are many and uh, quite passionate. And one of the beers they were asking about was uh, 
if we could try and brew something like your extra gold. Sure, yeah, extra gold is mag- that's one of my favorite beers that we make. I mean, I could drink it all day, um, and it's just you know it's one of those hybrids. You know, it's an American. We call it an American Belgian hybrid ale. You know, it takes I think the best of of both you know both worlds. Mm-hmm. The uh, you know the Belgian triple and the American IPA and kind of puts them together into one uh, one nice package. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, can you tell me what's the uh, starting gravity on this one? Okay, yeah, we shoot for a nineteen to twenty Play-Doh, um mm-hmm. starting gravity, um, and it's you know it's a fairly straightforward beer. I mean, it's we really kind of let the you know the, the yeast and the hops do most of the talking. Um, it's a hundred percent pills. Uh, to, uh, we're using uh, we're using a blend of Belgian. Well, we were using German originally. Uh, we're using uh, Canadian pills now, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, hundred percent pills. Um, we uh, mash in, mash, you know, target around 151, 152, because um, we really like it to dry out. We want to keep, uh, we want to keep the mash uh, as fermentable as possible. Mm-hmm. What's the finishing gravity issue for? Uh, we usually finishes around two and a half to three. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it gets down there. Um, you know, I find that the thing that turns me off the most about a lot of American brewed Belgians is the sticky sweetness at the end. Right. You know, right. if you're drinking the you know the traditional styles, they dry them out pretty pretty good, and mm-hmm. it's kind of been our focus um, with the liquid gold and the extra gold is, is making you know ensuring that we have a nice fermentable wort. You know, don't be scared, let it let it go. Mm-hmm. And then uh, IBUs, you're shooting for about forty. About forty. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, we're using uh, Simcoe up front for our first wort hopping. Uh-huh. Looking. Um, and Whirlpool again, Simcoe and Cascade, and uh, then we dry hop it with uh, a pound per barrel of Amarillo. Okay. And you know, it's that Amarillo that really comes through and just you know, gives it that beautiful tropical aroma and flavor. How long do you dry hop it for? We give it usually minimum ten to fourteen days. You know, depending on production schedule, mm-hmm. no less than 10. Um, try not to let it sit too much longer than 14. Mm-hmm. And that Whirlpool edition, what's the, the size of that Whirlpool edition? Uh, five and a half Simcoe, five and a half Cascade. Mm-hmm. And so most of the bittering comes up front from the Simcoe, obviously, the Whirlpool hops. I'm sorry, the first word hops. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, we're using calcium sulfate in the mash. Um, calcium sulfate again in the boil, mm-hmm. and um, we do add sugar. We use um, pretty much straight up uh, cane. We're using cane sugar from the local Domino uh, facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, cane sugar? How much cane sugar? Oh yeah, we do. We use cane sugar. Um, we're using in a twenty barrel batch about uh, two hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. Okay. So about a pound per barrel. And, um, you know, that brings up the gravity, obviously, and does help in, uh, you know, allowing the beer to dry out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then uh, what about the yeast strain? Yeast strain, we're using, um, we're using White Labs um, 530, mm-hmm. which is the Belgian Abbey strain. Mm-hmm. And what do and, you ferment at? Uh, this is the one that everyone always asks. Them. <laughs> we, we ferment at 85 degrees. Wow. And that's and to really accentuate. I mean, to... 
Well, I, I, I have found using the strain, the strain of yeast in particular that, um, you know, that if you don't let it get that warm, mm-hmm. it just isn't happy. And I, I, I feel like we almost get cleaner flavors with the higher temperatures. Mm-hmm. Um, when we keep it lower, uh, I feel that you get more fusels and more, you know, unwanted flavors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you, do you pitch so it's right? Kind of the opposite of what you'd think. We pitch. Uh, we pitch at about seventy four, seventy five, and allow it to rise up naturally. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, one other thing, I didn't ask. What, how long do you boil this for? Uh, Eighty minutes. Eighty minutes. Okay. Great. And do you have any other uh, uh, tips on this? Um, I guess what I would say is. Um, Again, don't don't be scared. Let the yeast get hot. Otherwise, it's not going to dry out the way you want it to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and don't be scared of using you know of using the sugar. Um, you know, when it came down to it, you know, Belgian candy sugar, crystallized sugar versus cane sugar. You know, I just went with what was easier for me to get. I mean, it was local. There's actually a Domino plant you know right down the road from us, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. You know, I went with what was what was local, um, and you know, obviously, considerably less expensive. You know, on a homebrew scale, I'd always use the traditional, the you know, the candied sugars. You know, because it wasn't uh, going to break the bank. But um, we've had great success with it, and um, I'd say, you know, try to get ten percent of your fermentables from the sugar, ten to fifteen percent. You know, so you really get a nice dry beer. And you, you know, for this particular style, you know. Belgian American hybrid. I mean, there's really no rule. We go for you know a nice dry golden base and a nice hoppy finish with the bitterness and aromatics. And so you know, dry hop it. Don't be scared. Dump them in. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we one thing I should mention: we dry hop warm, so we we put the hops in when it's still at 84 degrees. Oh wow! Okay. Um, probably the last day of fermentation when there's just a tiny bit left. We'll bung it up. Mm-hmm. Add that. We'll add the hops. We'll bung it. We'll allow the pressure to build. Um, until basically it finishes, and you know if we've timed it right, it'll finish out right. The tank's around ten pounds, mm-hmm. and then we slowly chill it down to fifty degrees over the course of the next week, and then we drop it. Mm-hmm. And what do you carbonate this to? Uh, Two point six in the bottle. Okay. And uh, so this is the uh, the liquid gold, right? The the beer itself. Right. Is this the liquid gold? or? Uh, oh, we're talking about the extra gold. This is the extra gold. And then uh, you also do the extra gold as a uh, as a, uh, a barrel-aged beer, right? Right. We call it golden delicious. Yeah, we're aging the extra gold in apple brandy barrels. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that, we've done it twice so far. The first time, I think I might have let it sit a little too long. It was pretty hot. Because uh-huh. um, we pick the barrels up fresh, you know, fresh after they're, they're emptied. Um, we have to drive down to the distillery to get them. Uh-huh. And um, the second time, I don't think I might have let it sit long enough. So the third time, it's in the barrels as we speak. So I'm going to let them sit right in the middle. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And so we'll see. Probably about eight months is what we'll give them, seven months. Uh-huh. When and do you think? It has a lot, of, a lot of interesting flavors. When do you think that uh, batch is going to be ready for uh, sale? Uh, probably spring of 10. Okay. Well, everybody or, you know, should uh, get themselves over to Captain Lawrence and uh, pick up... Uh, uh, you can sell that in uh, in seven fifties. We'll do it in seven fifties. Yeah, pick themselves up a couple of seven fifties, and I imagine that that probably would uh, be quite delicious. Yeah, it's a fun one. Fun one to make. Fun one to drink. It's definitely got some interesting character. Awesome.
Well, thank you so much, Scott, for helping us out with these uh, these challenges, and uh, hopefully we can we can do you proud and and uh, live up to uh, your standards. Hey, man! I look forward to uh, to trying. If anybody wants to come by the brewery and bring some uh, bring some homebrew, please. I'm here every weekend. <laughs> awesome! Thanks again. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, Special Rotating Taps, and the BN Army Members Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmaster's Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Do you support the Brewing Network? Do you brew your own? Are you looking for any economical, fun, and legal way to do both? Subscribe to Brew Your Own magazine and do just that. All year long, Brew Your Own will surprise you, entertain you, and educate you with articles on beer and brewing from authors like the Brewing Network's very own Jamel Zedeshev and John Palmer. Each issue is a full pint of brewing techniques, homebrew stories, tips and photos, projects to make yourself, and recipes for the avid home brewer. Get your tough questions answered by Mr. Wizard. And polish your style accuracy with Jamil. 
A portion of every subscription goes to the Brewing Network, so subscribe today at byo.com slash brewing network, or just click the BYO logo on the Brewing Network homepage and support a fantastic hobby and your favorite broadcaster. Brew your own, the how-to homebrew beer magazine. Now back to the challenge. Can you brew it? All right, we're back. We're talking Captain Lawrence Extra Gold. And if you're listening live, you can you can see in the studio through uh, justin.tv slash brewing network. And you can see us tasting these beers and arguing over them and uh, tasting some more. And uh, A spirited know. discussion at the break this month. <laughs> spirited discussion. <laughs> yeah. A rousing debate yeah. occurred. At the, <laughs> That's right. The distinguished gentleman from Pacheco. <laughs> That's an oxymoron. <laughs> oxymoron, yes. Yeah. Uh, decided that the beer was had alcohol. Yes. <laughs> All right. Ah, oh, let me. Uh, you know, and and how about that uh, Scafacaro? Nice guy. Uh, awesome with the details on the recipe. Very, yeah, very, very knowledgeable. To share really. Yeah, yeah we, we're we're so lucky. Um, and I think you know a lot of folks. Uh, you know, one of the reasons this show is actually uh, quite useful is, you know, if everybody called up the brewery every day, I mean, these guys wouldn't get any brewing done, and they'd be in real trouble. I think sometimes, you know, they'll they'll say, not that Scott ever has, but, you know, some of these guys will say no to a lot of homebrewers. It's like, eh, you know, we got information on the website. We got information on the website. And when we contact them, they'll, they'll like, okay, well, look, I'm talking to, you know, tens of thousands of people at the same time. Okay, uh, yeah, I, I can spend half an hour and, and give you the information, and then there I've answered the question for you know uh, a, a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know that's nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I think that's kind of the advantage we have, and uh, we're trying to leverage that as much as possible to make uh, make your favorite beers happen. And here's another interesting tip. All right, so you know we've got thousands of requests. Different beers, lots of lots of different requests, and if you know, sometimes we'll bump one up towards the top, and people are like, ah, well, maybe I shouldn't request anything because there's thousands; they're never going to get to it. I'll tell you this: if it's a style we haven't covered, then your chances increase. If you say, hey, you know, if you can do this, uh, you know, I'll ship you the beer, uh, you know, if you can do this one. Your chances increase. So, you know, stop, you know, if you're asking for another IPA, another <laughs> we've done a number of them so far. I'd like to back off on doing the IPAs and doing other styles. You know, let's do some other styles. So, if it's something we haven't covered before, uh, go ahead and send it in, and uh, you know, offer to ship us beer, and then <laughs> there you go, you're in. Mm-hmm. Goes pretty quick that way. I was going to submit Russian River's triple IPA, so I guess I'll, I won't submit that then. <laughs> oh, no, we've already got that on our list. <laughs> All right, so uh, Captain Lawrence, Extra Gold. Uh, starting gravity is uh, 1085. Anticipated SRM is 3.8. Uh, IBU's uh, 66.6. So I think what we have here is an 80-minute boil. Uh, uh, color formula is Mori. Hop formula is Rager. Uh, pellet hops. This is 84.6% Pilsner malt 
and 15.4% cane sugar is what uh, Nathan went with. Um, the original that I got uh, from him was uh, I went 88.8% Pilsner and 11.2% cane sugar. I think anywhere in there, you're fine. I think yeah. you can go anywhere between 10 and 15. Scott mentioned between 10 and 15 is usually yeah. where they shoot for. Yeah, you're you're not you're not going to really notice the difference between that. It's important to get up past 10%, I think. Yeah, you want the attenuation on this beer, which is one of the yeah, keys. I wouldn't exceed 20 or 15. They have like fermentation anyway, issues at that point if you start exceeding yeah. possibly. Then you might want to uh, you know ferment out your your main wort first and then add your sugar later uh, just so it uh, consumes all the maltos first. Of course, you'd know about that if you bought the uh, yeast book. What's the name of the yeast book? I don't know yet, but uh, it's coming. It's coming this fall. Buy a copy. Support the Brewing Network. Uh, hops. Uh, we went with uh, 7 grams of Simcoe. Uh, now, now, was that mash hop or first word hop? Uh, I went mash hop, and Scott mentioned first word hop. First word hop, their technique. Yes. First it's word easier hop. for me to do mash hop than, than right. first word hop. Well, I think uh, you know, word hop is going to give you more bittering than mash hop will. Correct. Uh, so some grams of uh, Simcoe, 13% alpha acid, mash hop, or uh, word hop. Uh, 23 grams Simcoe, um, 13% alpha acid at 80 minutes. 24 grams of Cascade at 5.75 alpha acid at 20 minutes. 24 grams Simcoe. 13 alpha acid at 20 minutes. And then 71 grams of Amarillo. Dry hopping. Uh, they ferment with uh, White Labs WLP 530 Abbey Ale. And uh, mash temp was uh, 151 Fahrenheit. Uh, they ferment at 74 and let it free rise to 85 degrees Fahrenheit. And I think that's, uh, you know, it's scary for a lot of people, but uh, I think uh, that should work out quite well. You, you know, as long as you keep it below 90 and as long as the initial temperature, don't start out at 85, that's a big mistake. You know, start out, uh, you know, in the 70s, like they say, and let it free rise up. And, uh, you know, as long as the first day or two is under controlled fermentation, when you're getting all your growth and your uh, your cells are made and all that, um, that's the, the, the key point for uh, esters and all that. Final gravity, 2.5 to 3 degrees Play-Doh. Uh, they use uh, 50, uh, 0.56 grams per gallon of uh, gypsum and the same amount of calcium uh, carbonate and the carbonate to 2.6 volumes. All right. So it's a pretty simple recipe, really. I it mean, is. You know, grain-wise, it's Pilsner and cane sugar. Uh, hop-wise, it's much more complex, and fermentation-wise, it's much more complex. So that's an interesting kind of uh, kind of makeup there. Well, all right. Let's uh, kind of go around the room. Let's start with uh, Tasty. Uh, Tasty says... Um, <laughs> it's beer! <laughs> I think they're cloned. Uh, there are some differences, but uh, I, I can account for those uh, somewhat. I know it's the... Uh, what, I bl- what I think I know now is the uh, homebrewed beer is just a little bit less attenuated than the, uh, than the commercial beer. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know. It probably was, might have finished like at I don't know. Maybe four, four and a half Plato instead of uh, what do you say? The commercial beer was two and a half. Well, that's ten. Right. right. 
So uh, yeah, so so eleven on the commercial, and I, I'm with you. The the um, the homebrew what we found out was the homebrew sample tastes less attenuated, but uh, what Nathan was saying during the break is it's attenuated at the same level, and that's the interesting thing. It's it's kind of that whole. Um, you know, character of what does get attenuated, what doesn't. Uh, a while ago, you had brought me two beers. I think one was, you know, fermented with one yeast, one was fermented with another. You know, there was something about them. And you said, you know, what do you think of each of these? And I tasted them. I'm like, well, this one's drier and, you know, attenuated more, and this one didn't attenuate enough. And you're like, well, it's actually the reverse. There's, you know, six degree, six points difference opposite of what you think. Yeah. This one's attenuated far lower, and it does taste sweeter. This one is actually it didn't attenuate as much, and it tastes drier. So you know, finishing gravity doesn't necessarily get you. So I think you know, the, you hit the finishing gravity. The commercial example we have from Scott Vaccaro may actually be a little bit more attenuated than what they typically more, get. Also, they say two and a half Plato and above, or slightly above. Right, right, right. It may actually be around two. Yeah, we 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 don't know. Yeah. And it tastes like it could be. It's well, it's bottle the, condition as well. Exactly. The commercial example is excellently dry. It's very, very right, dry. Right, right. Very dry. Okay. But Tasty, you call it clone? I call it clone, yes. You wouldn't change the recipe in any way? No. can't think of a thing. Okay. No. Uh, Nicole, what about you? <clears throat> well, I had a hard time deciding whether it was cloned or not, and you guys all seem to really think cloned over here so far. I would say <laughs> not cloned, just because I think... Because uh, you hate Nathan? Because I, I hate Nathan. Yes. Because <laughs> I, I want to pick Duh. a fight. <laughs> Could be a long ride home. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a long walk. <laughs> From the, uh, You're back on the train. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the What we found out was a homebrewed example has, uh, pr- uh, presents a significant amount of alcohol heat, whereas the, um, the pro version really delivers a lot of alcohol without noticing it. Like, I would have never yeah. guessed this was a lovely 12 oh, I think there was, there was a temperature difference, too. Keep that in mind. A temperature difference in the yes. serving? Yes. The commercial version was colder. Mm. And that might have some effect on the perception of alcohols as well, I think. I mean, I felt I felt that the though I mean it's not like you can't taste alcohol mm-hmm. in the in the in the right. in yeah. X. Right. Um, but oh is hot and X was not hot. So Okay. So you're st- not cloned is what you're saying? I don't know, not cloned. I think cloned? I think cloned? there's not cloned. Not cloned. Not I think cloned. I think that there's enough procedurally different with uh-huh. these two beers uh-huh. that, that it just didn't work out as it's, it's, it's a personal problem with Nathan. <laughs> I know. Can't win over here. We'll right, make up right. later. So we got one cloned, we got one not cloned. Mike uh, Moraz? I would say cloned. I yeah. think there is a little bit of the heat that Nicole was talking about, a little bit of the um, residual sweetness left behind mm-hmm. it in the mm-hmm. homebrewed version. Um, the Captain Lawrence one is extremely clean mm-hmm. and a little bit drier. So mm-hmm. the hops presence come through and they're a little bit brighter mm-hmm. uh, because of that. Yeah. Um, but recipe formulation and you know hops that I'm getting out of out of both of them, mm-hmm. I would say there's nothing that needs to be changed. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can control a little bit of that, as Nicole said, booziness of of Nathan's beer. Well, some of us like like boozy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think they're both, and we're we're 
really analytically picking apart Nathan's beer, but it's mm-hmm. a, it's a wonderful example also. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are just a slight little differences in that. No, it sucks. I drink either one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's shit. Well, since you're walking, you might as well make yeah. get your money's worth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She actually dumped his out. So. <laughs> yeah. Dogs licking it off the floor over yeah. here. Yeah, well, it's pretty busy. I'll, I'll give Nathan a, a clone. It, it, both of them are. I would drink both of them. Yep. I fin- as you can see, I finished both of mine. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm holding on to. Uh, as you might see in the camera there, uh, a little bit of I, each. I tried. That's yeah, it's hard to hold on to. Uh, Justin, how about you? Well, I so I have quite. I need help. You do. I need. But help. what about the Some beer? Rules. She needs a rule. <laughs> the kind of help that we can give you, Justin. Because the problems. Uh, all right. So I can't answer this recipe question on this uh-huh. beer. It's not a, a basic enough recipe for me in my knowledge. So I don't know. So Pilsner uh, malt with. Sugar is a little yeah, too but complex. The temperature of the, uh, the you know the yeast profile and, the, and all okay. that kind of temperature. Yeah, yeah. I'm being. I have a serious question here. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I I, I want to say not cloned right uh-huh. off the bat. Uh-huh. But the things that you guys are talking about, uh, I I need to understand before I do that. So for one, what I think is what we've come to discover is Nathan's example. It's it's darker in color. Mm-hmm. It's sweeter. Mm-hmm. Nicole already mentioned the the hot alcohol stuff, which I understand enough about fermentation to know that that can come from that. Mm-hmm. How is it that that but the but that that sweetness and the difference in color? How is that not a recipe change? I mean, the other one is it's a lighter color yellow. It's drier. Mm-hmm. I understand attenuation, but sure. but to me, sure. I feel like there's there's more sugar in O. So yeah. I need to understand that before I because I'm. Uh-huh. Cause, I would say not cloned, but you guys are saying that's not a recipe change. It's, it's you know, it's it's alcohols. It's um, you know that sweetness is alcohols. That sweetness is sugars. That sweetness is um, you know uh, you know yeast cells taking out bitterness. It's a lot of different things. Nicole, during the break, you were talking about you know getting a chance to taste uh, British ale yeast, London ale yeast, and Irish ale yeast. And how dramatically different those were, and you would have swore that was part of the malt bill, right? And part of something about creating the wort, but it wasn't. It was just the yeast. It was just the fermentation. Mm. Something like this. One of the things that that can happen in beer is, uh, you know, when you fer- ferment something out, uh, you know, the size of the yeast cell, the pitching rate, the, you know, the the, uh, you know. Um, the charge on the on the the cell itself, all those things, and, and its ability to take in you know different compounds can affect the color. You know the color can you know this close to color. Uh, you know the yeast can cause that that color difference. The sweetness again, it could be an alcohol thing. It could be um, you know a, a residual sugar thing. And like Nate's pointing out, uh, we don't know for certain because we didn't take a gravity reading on this bottle of the uh, Captain Lawrence. Could be slightly lower than what what uh, you know the target we were shooting for. Nate was shooting for, so that could come into play as well. I think um, you know recipe wise. This is definitely the recipe. I would not change this recipe at all. I think I think okay. you're you're in there, and I, I think you have a lot of leeway on on the on the sugar levels. I think what what you don't have leeway on is getting that same fermentation character that Captain Lawrence has. And the thing that I would change as far as that process goes, not necessarily recipe, but process is, 
I would actually try and grow this yeast a couple of times and maybe brew this beer a couple of times and repitch this yeast. I get the feeling they're growing this up and they're getting a repitch that is really, you know. Um, or here's an idea. You could do something like maybe a Belgian single. Uh-huh. And then repitch right. this yeast off of that. Sure. Something that's maybe yep. moderate yep. IBU and mm. moderate yep. gravity. Yep. Uh-huh. Something starting in maybe the f- no greater than forty to fifty with no Def- greater than thirty IBU. Definitely collect that and yeast I, and repitch it. And I th- and I think you know what happens to your yeast in your brewery. You, know, you get your initial pitch from the lab, and for a home brewer, that's you know a vial of White Labs or a Smack Pack, a Y yeast or whatever it may be, and you pitch that in. Yeast grow, you know, in certain characters, and and while they don't completely um, like mutate and all of a sudden, you know, brew differently, there is a, a certain uh, selective pressure that you apply as a brewer, and your brewery applies, and the wort that you you create applies, and certain cells they don't quite work out so well, and certain cells do work out so you know, slight mutations. And, you know, based on your harvest, when you go to repitch that again in that same kind of wort, in, that same, in, in your same brewery, in your same kind of process, those are, like, dialed in. By the time you get to your third, batch, third repitch, all these uh, – bre- just about every commercial brewer will tell you, yeah, by the third generation, that yeast is dialed in and it's really fermenting and the beers turn out better than ever. And you know that you know it's that third through fifth or tenth generation. That's the beers that are brewed, and I think that's the difference we have here. All right, um, Nathan can't be you know brewing this beer you know every week like uh, you know uh, Captain Morris might be able to. I could. Yeah, yeah. let's get to work on this. Um, I'll give Scott my resume, so, and then I could be brewing it every week. So, so I so I think <laughs> I think that's. The difference we're detecting here. I don't think it's a recipe difference. I think, um, you okay. know, that it, it's a yeast condition thing. I don't think it's, you know, Nathan's an excellent brewer. He really knows what he's doing. And I think, you know, maybe we're just early generations in to the yeast. And I think once we get that, I think the color would change. I think the character, the alcohols would change. I think with that change in character alcohol we reduce some of the sweetness i think the hops will pop out i think all that stuff will will happen with with just uh you know fermentation so i think it's a fermentation thing so okay those reasons i i would call it cloned you would well if you guys are convinced that the recipe is right then then i'm with you uh, I, I just but the but the <laughs> right, no, but I, tasting I the two beers they don't right. taste the same right so you see I have to you have to be uh-huh. critical of that so oh, yeah, sure absolutely you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's all I mean I just I really want to understand right. why you think the Definitely. recipe well, they, is and they, right and that's they look slightly asking. different too yeah they Their do colors. when when they were brought out I said well this is the homebrew yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't taste them i didn't smell them i said this is the homebrew yeah, and then yeah. i smelled them i said yeah this is the homebrew and oh, boy this this commercial example is just fantastic okay. Um, you know, but again, they're both really good beers. Yeah. I, I drank both of them. I, I'd continue to drink both of them. You know, whatever we got left, I'm there. You know, you don't have to lie. Nathan can handle it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, absolutely. You know, (laughs) the, the Captain Lawrence is, is, it is definitely a better beer. I, I mean, agree. that drier taste to it, that cleaner, it's crisp. It's a better drinking beer. It's a perfect beer. It's very nice, yeah. I, I would say the, it's, it's as wow, close to perfect a, as you're going to get. This style, wow. is, it's hard to do yeah. with that much maltose and that much sucrose in there. Yeah. It, 
one little thing, like you said, it's going to change. That's free, the freaking excellent. So okay. Nathan's, right. you know, you know, in the low forties. It's like uh, Captain Lawrence is up in the the, the 50s. Wow. Okay. You no, know, I think I think they're they're both well done. I think that's you know, it's that fermentation thing. That that would be my take on it. Nathan, what do you think? I actually, if I sat down and I was as I was smelling them and pouring them, I said, I think this thing is dead on. Mm-hmm. And I was I was walking through the hallway bringing the samples in. I tasted them. I said, I think this is clone. Hmm. But it was really interesting sitting in a room and talking with everyone. You guys are starting to convince me now that the difference is actually enough. But I'm starting to be convinced that it's not cloned if we take into account procedure and not just recipe. Yeah. So I don't think I would change the recipe. But one of the biggest things that I did different, and Scott actually warned about this in the interview, he said, don't be afraid to let the yeast go way up into the 80s. I've had bad luck doing that before. So I didn't let it go past 80. I let it go up to 80 and stay Mm -hmm. there. But I didn't want to let it go up to 85. Right. So it's really interesting with this yeast, with this uh, WLP 530, the Westmall strain, how many different Belgian breweries do it right. and how many different flavors they can get yep. uh, the same exact yeast. He's fermenting more along the lines of what mm-hmm. um, West Vlederen lets the yeast go that hot, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stan Hieronymus in the um, Brew Like a Monk has some excellent information about uh, this yeast. I highly recommend people picking that up if they like Belgian beers and, and don't have it. But he talks about uh, Ajo. Going, letting the yeast go into, I believe, the mid sixties, mm-hmm. or the West Mala keeps it in the low sixties. West later and lets it go up into the eighties. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. And I think Aqua mm-hmm. was mid seventies. Anyways, you get the idea. It's like right. different breweries doing different things with the exact same yeast. Now, on the commercial level, as you were alluding to before, fermenter geometry, generations of yeast, those mm-hmm. kind of things mm-hmm. are really important. But with a beer as simple as this, the ingredients. Are very yeah, straightforward. It's, it's not an ingredient. Fermentation is is absolutely yeah, everything. Everything. Well, right. the other thing I might throw out is uh, in the mash. All right, so mm-hmm. we, you went with a mash temperature of what one fifty one. I went actually lower because I was afraid about uh-huh. under under attenuation, right, which is right. what one of the problems that we kind of ended up with here is which was kind of ironic. So yeah, I went with yeah. one forty eight, right. hoping that it would help it attenuate. That may have actually. Had a detrimental effect. Well, how long know. did you hold it at 148? I held it at 148 for two hours. Two hours. All right. Well, you know, to a lot let, of times to you, let yeah. the, the beta amylase uh, right. work properly because it's going to work slower. Right. Exactly. Than if you're mashing that's, at 154. That's one of the things people right? will do. They'll they'll mash you know at some lower temperature. They'll do an iodine test, and sure enough, the the, the starch is converted. The problem is. Um, Attenuation and and the the work of those enzymes, you actually do pass conversion, get further uh, reduction of those those dextrins down, right? And you get a more fermentable work over time. So time is your friend on that. So two hours, yeah, I would have said, oh well, at that point, I would have said, I'm done. Yeah, I was worried about under yeah. attenuation on this beer because so you, you want did everything. good fermentation, good yeah. attenuation. I also use different sugar. He mentions using um, cane sugar. Uh huh. From Domino, they have a local Domino plant right, there where you can right. get it very locally. I used uh, one of the Brewing Network sponsors. Thank you to uh, Dark Candy. Mm-hmm. They donated sugar mm-hmm. uh, for this recipe, and I used the clear mm-hmm. for that. So it is slightly different sugar, but mm-hmm. to the yeast, simple sugar is simple sugar. It shouldn't matter too yeah, much. Right. Yeah, no, the, I used about should, maybe 2 to 3% same. more, or maybe Captain Lawrence right. has started to dial it down uh, lower uh, than 10 to 12%. No, I, I don't think it's that's the issue. Um, 
you know, the other thing that can, you know, if you do something like invert sugar where, you know, the, right. the, the, the sugar needs to invert the, the sugars, uh, the yeast need to invert the sugars and expend energy on that as well. So, so the other issue would be, obviously, fermentation and the the right. uh, quality of the yeast going yeah. in. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just yeast generation. So I think if you had if you had done two or three batches, right, and then did this, I bet you it. So it this was dead f- on. this was five thirty uh-huh. grown up um, in a two liter mm-hmm. stir plate mm-hmm. for with a ten thirty five wart for about thirty hours uh-huh. going in. Yeah, it's not enough yeast. What do you think? Still, still under pitched, probably. Yeah, should have uh, decanted and yeah, done it's, another. You know, it's, uh, it's it's probably okay, um, but you know, if you took see, that's why I think you're close. I think you had the right amount of yeast and you had healthy yeast. You did all the right things, as we expect from you. Didn't you mention you know? a bunch of it blew off? Yes, this is another but, interesting um, detail as well. The, the fermentation got so big that the. It was yeah. about four and a half gallons in a six-gallon carboy yeah, yeah. Uh, with a loose piece of sanitized foil over the top. Mm-hmm. Croizen got so high that the yeast actually spilled out of the top, yeah. and uh, I lost a little bit of yeast there, unfortunately, which is probably Still, the best yeast as well, the right. stuff that's going to... Uh, First one's up. The, you know, top guys Still, up. So I yeah. think... Um, yeah, I don't think that was a problem. I think, uh, you know, I think it's so a generational a, thing. A repitch off a really good, healthy batch of yeah. previously 5-3 fermented right, yeast that, would, be, would make the difference in this if, period. If thing. you would top crop right. that and pitch into right. you know, another similar batch of wort, I think you would have turned out the, the same beer. I think it would yeah. have been so cloned. That, it's close. Uh, if we're saying, I mean, in a, in a beer like this, fermentation is everything. Yeah. If process is enough to change it, then uh, maybe not cloned. I, you guys are convincing me them to second guess on that. Mm. So, did you take into yeah. account Nicole's sabotage? <laughs> did JP help you? Uh, no, the show I think, is getting boring. Everything's cloned all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Don't believe I used any whirl flock on this beer. No, I, didn't. I was a little scared away from it. Maybe after our last right, experience right. of uh, dumping the fish tank in there. <laughs> huh. Uh. Yeah, actually, uh, I couldn't think of a lot of stuff I would change, but there is a, there is a uh, difference a bit in the beers. I do prefer the commercial one. They're definitely churning yeah. out some excellent beers, Captain Lawrence. Maybe you know, the sugar. But, Maybe the sugar. Yeah, but for me, well, and I, I would cer- certainly go People, with just... You've heard brewers say that, you know, I would go sugar, with the, cane yeah. sugar, beet sugar. Or beet sugar. Might, that might be just enough. I mean, there's a right. high percentage of sugar, and there's not right. much malt to hide behind. Oh, uh, another one. So. Yeah, but... O2... I did get this two shots of O2, uh-huh. one in the beginning, uh-huh. and then after six hours, also another two minutes uh-huh. of pure O2 with a stone. See, I think that may be where you're getting kind of those boozy alcohols. Too much O2 at yeah. that point? Yeah. yeah. You, you guess you can't overdo it, too. You, right? Yeah, you get too much growth, and uh, mm-hmm. you start to, you know, the more O2 you give, the more fusels you, you tend to build, build up. Got it. So, so maybe a counterintuitive I mean, you you just to do. what some people might recommend on right. a big beer. Don't necessarily give it a bigger blast of O2 right. three, four hours in. It just you know, depends. It, just, it depends on a lot of things. Yeah, it's, you know, there's a the very fine balance, and uh, you don't want it to under-attenuate. You want to make sure you get enough growth, but you need to start with a high enough pitching rate. Right. Well, you know, 
if if you want growth, you give it O2, and you want it to be healthy at the you know as it goes through fermentation. If you don't give it enough O2, it's not going to be healthy. You know, it'll divide and all this, and the cells will be weak and all that, and right. you know, we'll be able to survive the higher alcohol. And that's one of the things I remember Chris White mentioning. He said right. one of the biggest reasons for under attenuation yep. is not enough oxygen. Right. Sure. And that was one of the things I didn't want oh, in this you, beer you, was you, you could give it a ton poor attenuation. Right. You give it a ton. You can also take it overboard. And you end up with more, the more oxygen you pour into the thing, the more fusels you tend to get. Right. So, you know, the less esters you tend to get, the more fusels you tend to get. So there's, you know, there's just a, you know, although, you know, the more fusels you get, the more esters you tend to produce. Because it's the alcohols that are used for the ester production. Right. So what are you saying now, Nate? Cloned or I'm not cloned? I'm saying cloned. You're saying cloned. This yeah. is why the book is so freaking long, because <laughs> a simple a, question book was that again? about O2 about yeast. requires yeah. 20 pages to say, well, you know, here's all the factors. And it, it depends it's a, it's a, in the famous word of, words of Mr. White there. It's a great He's book, but, uh, you know, it, it requires a lot of... It's uh, called It Depends. A lot of, yeah, yeah. It Depends. That's the title. <laughs> it's, it's, the title it's, of the it's book. called I'll Be in Depends before I finally finish this book. <laughs> That's what it's called. All right, so uh, I think we're calling this cloned. Is what it sounds like to me, because Mike and I say this, and Mike and Mike and I say this. <laughs> much oh, like, yeah. much like what Nicole says. Much like with Gordon, which was also a bit of a cliffhanger. I'll send some to uh, Scott see, out there at Captain yeah. Lawrence, and, and maybe and, he can give us the final yeah, uh, may have had word that, whether right. or not he uh, thinks this is close to his beer or not. I think for Nathan, fun. you know, he's trying to, you know. Make sure he gets some a little later on. So he's he's going with the non-cloned. <laughs> you know, Justin, same thing. You know, he wants to make sure I, I take care of him later. So he's, he's coming over to the clone side. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know. he swayed me. That's right. And I'll sway you later on, dead big boy. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's that's uh, that. Let, let's take a short break, and uh, when we come back, we will uh, answer some questions. We'll. Talk more nonsense. Back over this. Where were we? You stole an oak barrel from the mist of Ravenwood, and Lord Zinfandel the Avenger is in pursuit. Do you drop the barrel and run? Hells no. We need it for a Flinders Red. I'm going to cast Pediacacus Damnathus on the barrel. Sorry. Your ghosts are imprisoned in his winery forever. Ugh, I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. This sucks. What do we have here? Orville Rodenbach? Buzz off, guy. We got a brew session going. Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. <laughs> Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you get a long lasting foam stand when you think about wheat malt? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs, ingredients, equipment, and knowledge at northernbrewer.com. Plus, fast, cheap shipping, only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the pre prohibition lager. Perfect for steampunk. And the single hop best bitter. Now on cast and 10 forward. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. 
You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah, uh, mother... F- White Labs. It's all in the vial. From the stovetop to a camp burner to some kind of brew stand, most homebrewers follow some version of this progression. With each move, a homebrewer will often have to change a lot, if not all, of their equipment. Until now, Blickman Engineering brings you the top-tier brewing stand, the only brewing stand that grows with you. For example, buy a top-tier floor-standing burner now, and it'll bolt right to your top-tier brewing stand when you're ready for all-grain brewing. The top-tier brewing stand is perfect for 5-gallon to 20-gallon batch sizes. Its modular design is adjustable and accommodates everything from small footprint coolers up to 30-gallon pots. How does the top-tier brewing stand do it? At its core is a strong, heat-treated, and anodized aluminum main post. On all four sides are built-in T-slots for the adjustable heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves and beefy burner tiers. The tiers accommodate any manufacturer's pots or coolers up to 21 inches in diameter. Best of all, not only does the top-tier brewing stand grow with your skills and equipment, but it easily knocks down for long-term storage or transport, too. The top-tier brewing stand from Blickman Engineering. Learn more at BlickmanEngineering.com and to find a local Blickman retailer. And start brewing from the top tier. Hey, Push, the new brewery's looking good. Thanks, Finn. Piece by piece. Well, let's fire her up. Whoa! Is that a new kettle? Yeah, just got it brand new, but paid half price. What? And that blade scale? 40% off. The new tap handle? Five bucks instead of 13. Got a new regulator for the brew stand, too, but five bucks instead of 25. Dude, where are you stealing all this stuff from? Where else? The more beer deal of the day. Announcing the Beer, Beer, and More Beer Deal of the Day. Every day, a new fantastic deal from big items to small that will blow you away. Boil kettles, carboy carriers, sterile siphon starters, digital timers. Watch morebeer.com every day for a new deal, and you just might find the item you've been waiting for at a price you cannot believe. Hurry, because stock is limited on most items. And that sweet Guinness cap, let me guess. The The More Beer beer Deal deal of the day. Day. Yeah, I knew it. Come on, let's brew something. Find the Morbeer Deal of the Day at Morbeer.com. Celebrity Voices Impersonated. Hewa, what's your feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. It's the Brewing Network. And now, suck it, Tasty. All right, we're back. We're sucking down some fine beer here. Can you brew it? Tasty's upset. What's all this suck it tasty stuff? I don't know where that came from anyways. <laughs> oh, come on. Nobody ran it by me for approval. Not that anything gets run yeah, by me for approval abuse, anyways. Only you can abuse Creative me. licensing. That's right. Creatively, yeah. I don't know. What, what, what up with that? <laughs> Abuse, abusing my boy here. I don't care really. Uh, I like that boy talk though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Where do you go with that one? <laughs> I think we isolate that and replay it. I think that's... Oh. Yeah. Well, hopefully Push doesn't listen to this. I like that boy talk. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, questions from the chat room. Yeah, some good questions coming through. One for you, Tasty. oh If you were to filter this beer... Uh, <laughs> would, would. You have to, would you have to up the hop additions to compensate? A low hop beer, but uh, still, no. It wouldn't knock that flies. much out. Low IBU, significant dry hop. Yeah. Only time I've it's seen uh, filtering, uh, like well, I would filter it to seven microns, which is what I filter everything. Mm-hmm. Only time I've seen filtering uh, take away hoppiness is when uh, the beer's, you know, cloudy with uh, with yeast. Okay, because that's you know the yeast is hung up in the 
I mean, the the bitterness is hung up in the yeast. So you take the yeast out, you're going to remove some of the bitterness. Well, that's going to drop out over time anyway, whether you filter or not. You can let it sit in cold storage for a month. All that's going to drop to the bottom of the keg anyway. So there's any talk about uh, filtering, removing uh, hop. I just, I just I don't get that. I, I, and I think that the hop flavor, the hop essence goes right through the filter. Okay. There's no, you can't remove that. All right. So don't. It won't. <laughs> you can't take that. that away from me. I, can't I, do I, that. I'm sticking to my guns. Here. All right. Now, here's a question that came through that you actually answered really quickly, but I, I just wanted to bring it up again. They were yep. asking about what your airlock was, and you did end up mentioning that it was a piece of aluminum foil. That's right. But, of course, they're asking about head pressure, and then if that has an effect on this yeast and flavor and things like sure. that. So. Mike Raz was also mentioning that before the uh, first break, too. So it's, I guess it's definitely worth discussing. So what I did was a piece of sanitized foil over the carboy for the first three and a half days or so until the croissant starts to begin coming down a bit. Chris, why I didn't mention this on one of the shows at one point, that homebrewers overuse the airlock to some degree. And that can have a negative effect on the yeast health and attenuation. So what I've been doing recently just to try that method is no airlock, just foil for the first three or four days, and then we'll replace it with a traditional airlock. So in this case... If we had used either a blow-off tube or a traditional airlock, it would have added more osmotic pressure on the yeast. And it probably yeah, would have done something different. I wonder it's, if it's it... So, it's so slight. Yeah. That in, in, in homebrew sizes, I don't think it, it, it matters that much. Right. Um, you might get more oxygen exchange, and I think that may be what, you know, what the consideration is. Right. Maybe a little more attenuation. Okay. All right. Cool. And here's, I, I thought this was a good question. Is there a way to simulate that third yeast generation that you're talking about by using starters instead of brewing a beer three times to get that kind of third generation yeah, I've yeast? I've always wondered that myself, you know. And Put it in the book. <laughs> yeah. If you get a copy of the book, yeah. I'll tell you what I think about that in the book. Uh, page right. 158. What about, um, how about that in the context of top cropping? Why can't I do a starter? Right. I'm not going to use this uh, stir rod on this because I want to want to see the you know want to capture right. that croissant that comes up first, yeah. and then just throw the rest of that crap away and then use that to make the real starter. Yeah, I think if you to, were doing starters closer to you know the same environment you're doing your beers, you know, I, I, the interesting thing, you know, kind of going backtracking a little bit about osmotic pressure and all that. If you put a um, a lid on a plastic bucket. And an airlock in there, you're really not putting a whole lot more pressure. I mean, you know, the pressure that the uh, little bubbler thing is, <laughs> Inch of liquid. Is, is is not that much. If you take the lid off that five gallon bucket, your attenuation goes up. I mean, it's a minor change, but and it, it must have something to do with oxygen and, sure. and that exchange and, and lower CO two pressure, maybe lower concentration, partial pressure of CO two, maybe, and maybe that's it. It's the partial pressure of CO two that is, you know, it, it tends to retard the yeast activity. So that may, in fact, be the issue there. So there's something in there. I mean, it's not a big difference, you know, in the homebrew scale. Um, but there's, you know, there's something, something to be said for that. I think. So what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't remember. 
remember. Can you tell? We've been drinking. I mean, it's you know it's supposed to be a three-hour. Can, can you simulate that third generation? It's supposed to be a three-hour tour. It's um, <laughs> it's now I mean, a four eighteen. McDowell was probably about the closest it's top crop. Your yeah. starter, okay, yep. yeah, two times, and then bingo, mm-hmm. you got third generation. Well, what about, yeah. what about what about what about don't think it'd be the same. What about just you make know, a ten eighty starter then? <laughs> yeah, you know, and it may, it may, you know, I think there's, you know, there's negative things to doing starters, uh, you know, at high gravity, and, and again, it really depends, you know. But well, he's in, making a small beer, right? Well, no, I, I, I agree, I agree. I, and, and what I was gonna say is, um, you know, when you're making starters and you're doing this low gravity, really, what you're trying to do is optimize yeast health and grow a lot of cells. You're trying to do these two things at once, right? So you're you're really you know stacking the deck in favor of you know stir plate, oxygen exposure to you know off gassing the CO2, all those things that make a starter not a beer. And you end up with a lot of cells, and they tend to be quite healthy. And then you pitch this into your beer, and then you know the conditions in the beer are not to grow yeast; they're to ferment beer. And it's a completely different kind of conditions. And the yeast don't tend to be quite as healthy at the end of the beer. But um, you tend to get, you know, these other mutations. You get all sorts of things that happen. And then, you know, the the great thing about a beer is, um, especially in commercial examples, you can, you can drop out the earlier non-attenuative yeast, the, the crappy yeast. You can select for that nice slice of, of yeast profile in between that attenuates well, doesn't drop out early, things like that. And that's the thing that's really hard to do in a starter is, you know, get that slice, that selection. I think, you know, you're on to something, though, if you go top cropping. That may actually... Well, how about this How about this twist where I make a 1,000 a uh, milliliter starter at, with 1035 wort, mm-hmm. let it ferment out, chill it, get it, mm-hmm. you know, clear, mm-hmm. pour that off, then make a 2,000 milliliter starter with, like, 1055 wort, mm-hmm. and then... Do that, at, you know, a whole thing another time. Well, uh, and then finally make a 1085 wort at 3,000 milliliters and pitch that. Yeah, see, I, I, don't think, I don't think you're gaining anything by doing those incrementing. But that's a closer environment than the, right. I mean, well, I, I just, that's three generations. Right, but I don't think you're gaining anything by doing those incrementing steps. I oh. think you might as well just go to 1085. Start, okay. Yeah. All right. But I do think, it three uh, times. I don't. I don't even think I would do the initial starter. I would just take you know my vial of oh. White Labs or Smack Pack of Y yeast and <laughs> go right to 1085 and brew small three small beers. Right. The problem is you're still not probably going to have enough yeast for you know a proper pitch of. Uh, you might. Three thousand. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Sh- I think. I think it's it's worthy of some experimentation. I'm sure somebody's. Uh, somebody's done it. Gonna 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 give it a shot, but uh, Morass can do it. He's not doing anything anymore. You know that's that's the trick, Jerry. Changing diapers, changing diapers. Yeah, I'm up late at night doing nothing. (laughs) Too too much of starters for us. You'd be looking at yeast while you're rocking the baby. Arm at four in the morning and making starters. (laughs) Yeah, but there's you know there's that definite you know third generation thing, and I always thought, boy, why can't I just grow that yeast to start with? You know, isn't that a generation every time I do a starter? And I, I, I've never been able to get to that point. Mm. So it, it always required brewing beers and reharvest, you know, harvesting and selecting the yeast from that beer. So I, 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 I don't know. So you're I, saying you think that it's possible. if I did five starters, uh-huh. the end result, the, the yeast pretty much going to be the same as the first one. But if I made five beers, the fifth generation is going to be different. Yeah, different. yeah, absolutely. Even though the same the work. Well, it's been through the whole process, and I, and I think it, I think it's you know I I don't necessarily know that you know 
it's 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 the selection. And if you're just selecting, you know, the same kind of yeast you'd select out of your starter, I'm not sure that that really helps. But it's you know being able to leave behind certain yeast and select just just a certain cut of yeast out of there that I think is maybe part of the difference. Uh, you know, we can put it to. Uh, I mean, isn't that why Mr. some of the English Lamp. yeast flocculate better because there's they've been for generation after generation, right, right, hundreds of years. Yeah, they've, that's what they've selected. Isn't exactly, yeah. they selected for the flocculent ones, yeah. right? And actually, they selected for them. You know, rising to the surface. They they collected them all off the, for centuries. Yeast has been collected off the surface of beers. It's not until modern times that we started collecting yeast from the bottom because we came up with these cylinder conical fermenters. It's closed in the top. You really can't select it. So all this uh, really highly flocculent yeast, and, and, and the more flocculent yeast is, the more it rises to the surface, it becomes a top cropper, right? And you can collect that yeast off the surface, and that's how that that the selective pressure was applied. Um, you know, now the interesting thing is if we're getting enough generations into using these cylinder conicals and other types of fermenters where these top cropping yeasts that were really are, are still super flocculent um, and we used to be able to crop them off the top, they actually now are great bottom croppers. They're super flocculent, but they really drop to the bottom too. And it's, it's, it's like a, a, a total change. So uh, now, because all this selective pressure of harvesting them off the bottom, funny thing is, like uh, tasty, you'll you'll brew with a uh, O2 and uh, and you'll top crop that, and it's a great top cropper, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It forms a huge head of yeast, yeah. thick, rich, rich with yeast cells, mm-hmm. and you have no trouble getting a getting a bunch of yeast out of there, right? Right. Uh, Chris was telling me. If he told a commercial brewer to use that as a top cropping yeast, they would have his hide because in a large commercial conical fermenter, it doesn't barely make any layer on the surface. Is that right? He wow. says it all just falls to the bottom. Hmm. So, you know, why is that? And, it, it, you know, it's it's environment related, so it, it's rising a certain amount. You know, the, the, the flocculation is not the dropping to the bottom. Flocculation is the clumping together. That's flocculation. So it does it before it can get to the top. Right. So it's, it's either up or down, you know, at that point. And generally, the more something clumps together, the more it's affected by the CO2 bubbles that are rising, right? Yeah, right. Well... If you didn't have CO2 bubbles rising, the, the, you know, the size of your clumps of items and the density determines how fast they drop to the bottom. Well, <clears throat> the, the, the thing that you got to theorize about, you know, a highly flocking yeast rising to the surface is, uh, you know, in a really tall fermenter, CO2 bubbles form at the bottom. And whether it's your, your, your five-gallon carboy or six-gallon carboy or your 60-hectoliter, you know, fermentation tank, that little bubble that starts out at the bottom that's the same size, by the time it gets to the top of your carboy, it's one size. By the time it gets, you know, 12 feet up, it's much, much bigger. It's traveling faster, right? It's, you know... It's got velocity. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it may... Maybe it slides off of the flock of yeast. Maybe it's, you know, with velocity or, you know, something something by the size, it, it can no longer rise the, 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 the flock, and the flock slides off before it gets to the surface. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. Uh, and I posed this exact question to uh, Chris White, and he was like, mm, I don't know. That's a good question. You know, why? Because he was adamant about not saying it's a good fly, top cropper. And I'm like, no, it's a great top cropper. He's like, really? He was surprised to hear. I'm, I'm like, Mike is, when we were talking about it, I'm like, Mike is top cropping it today. <laughs> you know, he's using it in another beer. You know, it's and, and when I well, ferment with that, it's it's huge. I I mean, I get yeast coming out my ears when I when I use something like that, right? right. Yeah, use your firm control when you use it. Yeah. So, you know, different environmental factors, um, you know, affect the fermentation as well. So, uh, that's a possibility also. You know, you know what Captain Lawrence is using, what Nate's using, it's all going to affect you know the final beer. Um. You know, unless you have the, I, I imagine that Nate could go to to Captain Lawrence and brew the same beer. He's got that level of talent. Now, doing it on a totally different type of equipment without having multiple shots at it, having one shot at it, I think he did an amazing job, and it's cloned. You know, that's that's kind of like the, the the question there is like, well, and again, I think he could do it with multiple generations. So right. did I give you a 20-minute answer for a 30-second uh, uh, question? <laughs> Great answer. And that's all from the chat. All right. So we're done. All right. Woohoo! Woo. Let's get out of here. That's it. Um, cue the music. Let's run. <laughs> uh, you know, if you get a chance, uh, again, support our, our fine sponsor, Northern Brewer. They uh, support us. They give you free shows. So go, go to their site and check them out and, and take care of them. Uh, also... Check out the, the Brewing Network store. If you buy gear there, uh, uh, a big portion of, of that, uh, you know, goes to the, the bottom line of the Brewing Network. Uh, you know, it's not going anywhere else. And, uh, you know, get some Brew Strong gear there. Get some Hot Grenade shirts and all that good stuff. Uh, BYO Magazine. Uh, you can be a monthly sponsor. Two bucks. That's all. And uh, what else? I don't know. That's pretty much it. So, that's it. You know, stay tuned for God knows what's coming up next. And uh, until then, uh, keep brewing, brew strong, and often. <laughs>